Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day, lo. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Thanks for calling Toyota. This is Jan. How can I help? Hi. Thanks for telling my family and me about Toyota's national sales event. We got a new RAV4 during the event, and it's been great. Well, that makes me happy. Right now through September 6th, it is the best time to drive off in a new Camry Hybrid, Tacoma, and more. So what are you up to? You know, we took the RAV4 to a great spot, and now we're exploring a cave. Amazing. Yeah, my wife talked me into spelunking. I'm actually a complete and absolute amateur. Absolute amateur. Absolute amateur. Huh, I could have done without the echo on that. Toyota's national sales event is on. Visit your participating Toyota dealer today to enjoy every last second of summer. Toyota, let's go places. See your participating Toyota dealer for details. Dealer inventory may vary. Event ends September 6th. I'm Chuck McDowell, founder of Wesley Financial Group, and I'm still mad at timeshare companies. For over a decade, I've been fighting to clean up the timeshare industry by getting folks out of bad timeshares. But after all those battles, I'm still asked, how do they sell timeshares for $25,000 when they're available online for only a dollar? Here's how they do it. They lie. They tell you things like, timeshare's a great investment. You can go anywhere, anytime, or your maintenance fees will never go up. Everything they do to get you to sign a timeshare agreement is part of a well-planned trap. If you've ever been held hostage in a timeshare presentation and bought, Wesley Financial Group is here to help. To date, we've canceled timeshares for over 16,000 families. And I guarantee you this, we'll cancel your timeshare or you'll pay nothing. Go to iCancelTimeshare.com now for your free timeshare cancellation guide. That's iCancelTimeshare.com. iCancelTimeshare.com. And what's up, what's up? Wes Mitchell here, Chris Clark. We are live, GC Live, on the YouTube, the Facebook, the Twitter, everything else. Um, maybe we need a Twitch channel Ooh. as well. I know all the, all the kids are on there with their video games, stuff like that. We need a channel everywhere you could possibly have. Um, but we're doing our best. Uh, thanks for everybody joining us here. I see we already got some folks in the comments getting riled up. Again, he's Chris. I'm Wes. We are brought to you by Affordable Medical USA. Uh, check them out, affordablemedicalusa.com, 803-926-1493. They are home of the game day chair, which Chris will tell you about a little bit later on. And want to go ahead and welcome everybody and invite everybody out to Market on Main on Friday. Uh, that, of course, if you're watching this live, is tomorrow. We'll be out there 1 o'clock to 2 o'clock. We'll be recording this. Well, I guess recording and broadcasting the show live. So if you can't make it, still check us out a little bit earlier, one o'clock instead of two o'clock, our final preview of the game. But we'll be enjoying some awesome food. Then, of course, they'll be having their watch party as they do every game day at seven o'clock. And I think I'm going to be out there. So um, if you haven't been yet, come on out. 
Local Bit Market on Main, downtown Columbia. And uh, today, going to take a lot of your questions. We'll have a little quick recruiting update. We'll also do our Recruit of the Week, which I got to tell you, we, we got to start putting in some guidelines, I think, for number of times in a season that a certain quarterback you know, is the recruit of the week. But if you score nine touchdowns, you almost have to win it. So after this week, we may put in Gunnar Stockton cannot win it two weeks in a row rule, just to be fair to everybody else. But if you score nine touchdowns, the rule was not in place yet. So spoiler alert, it's going to be Gunnar Stockton, but we'll take a look at some of his highlights from that game and, and maybe show a little love to some other guys. But, Chris, what's up, man? I mean, the, the week uh, is just rolling along. I feel like we were just diving into Auburn, and here we are a couple of days away from a, a big matchup and, and one that has taken on, I would say, extremely new meaning for South Carolina now that they have a couple of wins under their belt. does. You're right, man. Every Every single day – has flown by from from Auburn until now. Really, really for a while now. The whole season is just flying by. Almost halfway through, which is crazy to think. Definitely a different vibe, right? These past two weeks after an O two start, a couple wins, quality win. You know, at home against Auburn, and a chance to go get another one before a bye week regroup, which would be, I think, really substantial for this team. You know, to win three straight and do. T- do something that you haven't done in a while by winning at Auburn, number one, or winning against Auburn, period, number one, hadn't been done in a million years, and then go win at Baton Rouge and do it back-to-back weeks and have a three-game winning streak and then get a bye week. Would just be a lot of positivity for this team to carry over in the second half of the season. But still a big challenge for them and uh, still a lot to dive into. You know, with LSU, we did that. Yesterday, as you did with Jarrett Rozier, and uh, we got more content to roll on GamecockCentral.com the rest of this week. Buy or sell, presented by Bishop Real Estate Group, coming out tomorrow. Coming out tomorrow from us, Wes. If the people want to play that, you can do it on FGF. You can do it on the Insiders Forum. Chance to win some free subscription time. Path to Victory coming out tomorrow. We'll link all that stuff at some point before the game. But uh, yeah, looking forward to discussing some more of the LSU game and. Uh, you know, running more content on the site this week. Yeah, so let's let's talk key matchups, man. We always do that at some point during the week. And I would say for the most part, um, the matchups have played out as far as being – not necessarily that South Carolina has won all the key matchups, but as, as far as them having a big effect on, on the games. For the most part, I think the ones we've sort of focused on here in the show have mattered on Saturday, which is really what we want. And, man, I knew of Eric Gilbert, who is LSU's freshman tight end. And, dude, I can go all the way back. I think he was a freshman in high school. Yes, he was. And he was at South Carolina's camp. Mm-hmm. And Chris and I were out there, and I, I don't think it really matters anymore, but I still – I won't name the coach. But I, I remember a a coach just watching Eric Gilbert come out there and sort of peeking over to us standing there and just sort of pointing at him and being like, that's a freshman. <laughs> yeah. And yep. Eric Gilbert 
already looked like a senior high school recruit. And this was at South Carolina's camp when he was a really, really young kid. And now Eric Gilbert, their tight end, has people saying that's a freshman <laughs> at, at the college level yeah. because he looks like a dadgum NFL player. So I'm not saying Eric Gilbert is quite on the level of Kyle Pitts yet, and they're a little bit different skill set. But I I knew he was at LSU, and I knew Muschamp had mentioned him, and I knew he was. Did the rivals have him as the top tight end in the country? He was a five star kid. I think he was the top in the country. I will I will confirm that real quick as you continue. I know by my by my eyes the tight ends I had followed for that class easily yeah. the most talented tight end in that group and dude so i know you said you had turned on the missouri tape so i went on youtube earlier today and some people i don't know how they get by the copyrights of it all but you know all these games are on youtube now have you seen the condensed versions of games where it'll be like a 30 minute version of the game yeah so they cut out all the, the BS in the middle. I swear the first five minutes was was at Eric Gilbert highlight tape. So yes, Kyle Pitts is more well known. And we talked I feel like everybody talked about Kyle Pitts all week long to the point that he was a household name among your your really hardcore dedicated South Carolina fans. They knew exactly who Kyle Pitts was before that game. Circle number two for LSU. I know we're all talking about Terrace Marshall, and rightfully so. But Gilbert is a problem, man. That dude is good, and he's actually he's thick. Like He already looks like an NFL tight end. He can block a little bit. He's great in the passing game. He's an absolute monster. Yeah, I was a huge recruiting get for LSU, and you know, I remember I remember vividly watching him that day, Wes, that you mentioned, and I think we saw him at a rivals camp too at another point. Um, just just a different guy, you know. There's certain guys that you see that are just different. We talk about that sometimes, and he's one. And and typically, if you're a five star guy, a top ten player, top ten prospect like he was, you're different athletically. I mean even out of high school, when he was the number one tight end in the country, according to rivals, he was number nine overall, regardless of position, in the 2020 class. And, um, you know, big-time recruiting battle. He actually pulled a shocker by committing to LSU. It was, you know, Georgia, Tennessee, um, you know, everybody else. I mean, South Carolina and everybody else offered him too. But uh, big-time recruiting win, shocking recruiting win for them. And he's already, you know, he's already made his his, uh, his name known <laughs> – 14 catches, two touchdowns, has two, uh, two, or four, four catches in one game, four catches in another, six in another. Um, so he, he's had a, had a really good year, you know, that Missouri game, six catches for 97 yards and a touchdown, a 25 yard long. So, you know, there have been games this year. Will Muschamp was asked about this his last press conference about certain players, about the tight end. How do you account for Eric Gilbert? And there have been some games where 
the other teams didn't really have as much of a tight end presence, right? We didn't see it as much for Auburn. Tennessee, we know, because we even saw it on SEC inside, for those of you that call that, they were sort of unconcerned about the tight end position. Um, Pitts, obviously, at Florida, you had to account for him. This is going to be a similar type of game. Will he get the amount of targets or be used in the exact same way as Pitts, like you said, Wes? No. But this is not a game they're going to walk into and say, okay, we need to worry about the receivers. They're going to have to spotlight where Eric Gilbert is at all times because he is a he is a big-time threat. I was trying to find some high school tape of him to throw up real quick. When when you're that good, you don't even have to put your senior year tape on huddle. Like everybody's just already <laughs> yeah. You know, like guys use huddle to keep their name out there and and see, show how much they've you know made progress. This dude like like I said, man, he he was a freshman, maybe a rising sophomore when we saw him in camp. And he already looked like a college football player. Mm-hmm. And South Carolina, I think, had already offered him or offered him shortly after. They were in on him very, very early. But just, I think, as it went on, it never completely materialized, uh, you know, as far as them having a, a great shot at him. But, that, yeah, that was a big boy recruiting battle. And, I mean, you know how it is, man. I mean, we talk about it here. You never know how quickly these guys are going to make an impact, even if they are a five-star prospect, but to be considered the number nine overall prospect in the country as a tight end, which isn't really seen as quite as valuable of a position, you know, maybe as like a quarterback or, or a defensive end or something like that says a lot about his ability. And, you know, I, I I think, you know, South Carolina, obviously we'll we'll talk about Marshall and, and what he brings to the table, but to me that, that that may be the toughest matchup for South Carolina this week because I don't know if there's necessarily that that guy that you feel great about just playing man coverage against him. And I don't think South Carolina's linebackers, you know, coverage isn't their strong suit really, especially when you have a guy that athletic. If you put a corner on him, he's bigger. And that puts you at a disadvantage in the running game, which we know LSU is going to try to establish the run a bit when it comes to um, helping out their freshman quarterbacks, I think. So I I don't know, man. I'll be very curious to see. I mean, can you bracket a tight end when you have the receivers that LSU has as well? I I don't know. So that that, how how you sort of choose to defend him, Chris, I think will be something – interesting to watch game within the game type thing for Saturday. Yeah, very difficult. I mean, when you when you have a tight end who's a game changer, um, that really puts defenses in a bind. It's difficult to know, you know, when you see a tight end on the field, you know, with receivers or running backs, you know, especially with receivers, you, you generally know where they're going to line up, right? They're somewhere out wide. Maybe you change it up, you put them in the slot. But with a tight end, there's a lot you can do with him. You can move him around. He can be in line. He can be offset. He can be, um, you know, in the slot. He can be out wide. There's a lot of different things you can do. And so it becomes tough for the defense to know, you know, formationally, where's a guy going to be? Make your call. Get your call in quickly. You know, does he move around? Then you got to account for him again um, because, like you said, he's big. He can block. He's got a downfield presence. He can catch balls over the middle. He can out-physical people because he's just bigger and, and he's really fast for his size. So, 
Uh, that is a game changer. And that's somebody you're, you're exactly right. I, I think it's a concern because you look at some of the matchups and if you're South Carolina, I guarantee you in their defensive meeting room, that's one of a, a few guys that they're really honed in on of, of how are we going to stop this guy? You know, is it a safety? Is it, you know, where, depending on where he's matched up, probably a few different people are going to be counted on to cover him man to man to zone him, maybe to bracket him. And so who, who is it going to be? Um, it depends, I think, on the on the uh, play formation where he's lined up. But it's probably going to be a little bit of everybody, and so everybody's going to have to be ready for him. Jamar Brown, does he play a bigger role this week? You know, I think that, that's a question mark when you think about a guy that um, has coverage ability, but he's got linebacker-like skill set too at that dime position. Is he the one that's, you know, counted on at times? Is it the nickel who's going to be a smaller player? So I think it is, like you said, a fascinating sort of game within a game. It's going to be – really a key, you know, to this weekend. Yeah, man. And I think you look and some, some people are asking about, about Izzy and that possibility. And then another question about Izzy's health. And I, I think those are two, two great questions. I think for me, even though, you know, Muschamp said Izzy practiced some on Tuesday, I guess that was, I still, anytime a guy has that type of injury and we've seen him come back and then have to leave again, to me, that's always going to be a game time type decision as far as how healthy is he. Are you comfortable with him having to play man coverage, or is he playing safety again, which is what they basically did against Florida to try to sort of hide him and keep him from having to change directions so much? So I, I, I don't know. I, I think the problem you get with Gilbert and the reason why defense coordinators will struggle with this so much is. When he is in the box, you can't really cover him with a cornerback. And I think with, with maybe even with a guy like Kyle Pitts, you almost can. Like Kyle Pitts, you almost have to treat like a wide receiver. But Eric Gilbert, this kid as a true freshman, is already a very well put together 6'5", 249 pounds. Uh, and that's what he's listed at on LSU's site. I don't know if he's he, – he to me looks like he may be even bigger than that. So that, that I think, worries you, um, you know, as far as how to uh, attack him as far as – and like you said, man, you got to do it many different ways. But I think it worries you when he's inside the box and you have a linebacker matched up on him and then he tries to get some depth and, and stretch the field in those ways, a lot of times off play action, you're looking for easy throws for these young quarterbacks and he's, he's the one man. So, all right, obviously everybody has seen the write-ups about Terrace Marshall, what he brings, and you've got another fun matchup. JC Horn gets to go against an NFL guy last week. I've, I've got to think, man, if you're South Carolina, you're probably taking a similar approach this week and yes LSU can move him around but I mean dude Carolina has such sort of versatility with their guys that play corner and nickel I I don't really know if moving Marshall around necessarily escapes him from JC Horn I mean I don't think there's anything keeping South Carolina from basically pre-snap you know, switching Horn and Robinson 
you know, if, if Jamie's playing nickel and Horn's playing outside and they're doing some motion or they're lining up Marshall at the nickel, there's nothing that keeps South Carolina from just sort of flip-flopping those two pre-snap to keep Horn, you know, on the guy they want him matched up with. Now, the other side of that is that Jamie Robinson is one of the more underrated guys within this defense, I think. South Carolina may feel perfectly fine with him still matching up with him in the slot. So, and the problem with putting a guy in the slot is that you don't really, it's hard to clear somebody out when they're in the slot. There's a lot of traffic around you. So you you sort of have a guy over the top. It's, you know, there's the linebackers patrolling the middle of the field. So it's not really truly a one-on-one matchup a lot of times, I feel like, in the slot. So I'll, I'll be curious to see, Chris, what this matchup really looks like. How often, you know, does the South Carolina say, Horn, you're just shadowing him throughout the game? Or do they trust some of their other guys and just sort of stick their defense and see what happens? Other banks go out of their way to make redeeming credit card rewards needlessly complicated, like how they require minimums or force you to use your rewards before reaching some arbitrary expiration date. But Discover isn't like that. With Discover, you can redeem your rewards for cash in any amount at any time so you'll never have to jump through hoops unless you're like a trapezist then by all means go right ahead learn more at discover.com slash redeem rewards terms apply yeah and they'll have a good sense at least unless lsu comes out putting in some new things or reinventing the wheel they'll be able to see in the past you know how less how lsu has utilized him in the route tree where they move him around and that'll help you build out your game plan of Here's how we're going to handle this situation, right? And, you know, you look at Will Muschamp's defense, um, there's a lot of when you're playing zone, right, which they'll do some. They're not going to go out there and play exclusively man really in any game. They're going to play some man coverage. They're going to need to play some man coverage to be successful in this game. Um, So they'll have a good sense of how to handle situations like that. But if they're in zone situations, there are certain rules, for lack of a better term, of, you know, if a team is in stacks, you do this. If they're in trips, you do this, um, you know, depending on where you're playing on the field. And so in some of those situations, um, depending on the zone and what kind of play is called, you know, Terrence Marshall is going to be around some different guys, and it'll be up to them to, you know, do their responsibility correctly and go try to make a play and try to cover a guy. You know, in man, certainly they're going to look and there might be situations where they say, Hey, if this happens and this guy's on this guy, then like you said, Wes, we're we're going to live with that and we're going to have to feel good about it. But I would think that in most situations, they're probably going to try, try their best to see if they can get JC Horn, you know, matched up with Terrace Marshall because he is, you know, a big physical presence, a really good wide receiver for sure. Yeah. And as Brandon points out, um, Stack uh, type formations, bunch formations, picks, rubs. There, there are ways, and, and even in man coverage, you'll see South Carolina um, basically uh, pass off a a player and, and and basically switch. It's just like in basketball, you switch defenders. There, I mean, I, I talked about this in in my tell of the tape that I put out today from Auburn. To one of the most underappreciated plays in that entire game, Chris, was the third down when South Carolina's on defense, Auburn's second-to-last drive. And Auburn ran pre-snap, uh, motioned the guy into like a twins formation. Johnny Dixon follows him in man coverage. And basically, uh, 
they were trying to sort of they they released in opposite directions and they were trying to pick off or confuse the two South Carolina DBs and Horn and Dixon just seamlessly communicated, passed off the receivers to each other. Horn was already in a better place to take the outbreaking route. Dixon took the inside route. That's the way Bo Nix was trying to go with the football. He obviously never seems to look at a at a third receiver at all, throws the ball away. Auburn kicks the field goal, and then that's what forced Auburn to be having to score a touchdown in the next drive as opposed to being in a situation, you know, to kick a field goal potentially or, you know, going to score a touchdown to win as opposed to driving down to try and tie. So um, there are situations where, like you're saying, South Carolina will have to switch. And But but I do – I mean, I, I think Johnny Dixon and some of these other guys are continuing to come on within this defense, within this defensive secondary. And we'll just see, going, going back to our word of the year, consistency, we'll see if they can do those things consistently because early on you did have the big, we talked about it, the big explosive plays, the, the uh, splash plays that they've allowed, the chunk plays. But in stretches, we've seen some individuals within the secondary have some really, really good moments. So we'll see. Uh, let's see. Let's let's take some questions. I saw one earlier from Craig. Um, I lost it from Craig, who is one of our very loyal guys. Good grief. There's a lot of chats in here. Um, Craig, what was your question about Damani Staley? Um, I have not... I can't find it. I know it was on there. Let's see. Small Fries wants to know if there's any word on Brooks and the depth chart. No, no word yet. He, you know, we talked about this a, a good bit yesterday. And Chris, that's actually that's going to be our buy or sell. Uh, can we give that away? Should we give this away? Um, it's going to be yeah. our buy or sell. What is it? Three receptions for Brooks. And I, to, to specifically answer your question or not answer your question, no word yet on where Brooks will be on the depth chart if he'll start. I, Chris, I expect him to be on the field, I would say, quite a bit. Um, our buddy Pearson Fowler texted and said, what did he say, over under four targets? Three and a half is what he used. Three and a half targets. Complicated, yeah. Um. Of course. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, three receptions, though, is what we're going to do with our buy or sell for Jalen Brooks. Yep. I tend to think as quickly as he sort of integrated himself into the offense when he first got here, Chris, and sort of got settled in and started just making plays to where his teammates were talking about him on literally day one. I think that's a pretty good sign that Jalen Brooks is going to get some chances right off the bat. Yeah, this is a guy that came in, uh, made an impact, was you know a start preseason is out there running with the ones, and South Carolina has to know at that point. Hey, you know, they, at that time they felt like he had a good case to get eligible, given all the factors, given that the NCAA handed out free years to everybody this year. 
the thought was he'd become eligible. And so, like we, we've discussed this before, at some point, you know, in Tennessee prep, he's not cleared yet. You have to know he's not going to be cleared or possibly won't. And so you have to start thinking about that in terms of how many reps you're given. And then you have to do that the rest of the season until he is cleared. But he's still been able to practice. Has he gotten as many first-team reps as before when he was atop the depth chart at one receiver spot? No. Um, but he's going to have a chance to get out there and play. He brings a different element with his ability to stretch the field vertically. That's something that Will Muschamp's talked about a lot, that they made an effort to do schematically, and they need to find some more guys who can do that. He has the skill set to where he can do that some. And so whether or not he starts, I'm with you, Les. I expect that he's going to be out there playing. I think he could see his role grow. Maybe it doesn't take him long to step into a starting role, particularly if he finds some production early, right? then it's going to be almost a no-brainer because South Carolina is still, you know, searching for some second, for some third options behind Shai Smith. Had a question about if either of these freshman quarterbacks have played at all. Um, Chris, you may know off the top of your head. I'm looking – hold on, y'all give me one second. Pro Football Focus is a godsend because it lets you see how many snaps everybody has. No. Miles Brennan has taken – wow, yeah, he's, he's taken every single one of their offensive snaps. Even even against Vanderbilt, 41-7 to win? Yep. Very interesting. The other two games have been, you know, LSU is in a, in a shootout with Mississippi State, and then obviously against Missouri that was another shootout that was, you know, a close contested game at the end, so he had to be in the game. Yeah, that's um, yeah, pretty significant. That's interesting. Uh, let's see. Tim says the thing that continues to bug me is the third and for, forever that we continue to allow teams to convert. See, I, I mean, South Carolina coming into this last game had the best third down defense in the SEC. So I don't really know that that's – I feel like that's that's one of those things that is so ingrained in South Carolina fans' minds that they, you know, there's just like PTSD about giving up long third down conversions in the past. That we assume sometimes it's still an issue, and I, I don't know what the third and long. I don't remember what the third and long numbers were. I never saw what they were against Auburn. I know there was there was a key third down that Auburn got, but then it got called back because of a penalty. But do you remember too many busts on third and long against Auburn, Chris? No, I mean there were definitely so there were some against Florida, and more, even more than that, there were some just some longer explosive plays and some chain movers against Florida. I mean they only had nine third downs against Florida in general, and they were four of nine. I think they were one of. I mix up the Tennessee and Vandy numbers. One game was one of 11. One game was one of 12. So it was a non-issue in those games. Against Tennessee, the issue was just more explosive plays in general, right, and some chunk runs. Vanderbilt didn't do a great deal offensively. Um, I think the number against Auburn, I don't have it in front of me. I'm pretty sure it was 7 of 16. And the numbers were better in the second half. The pressure – so they're going to play that differently depending on the quarterback. We talk about Bo Nix. We discussed this a little bit after the game. 
the idea of sending the house at Bo Nix wouldn't have been a smart play for the Gamecocks in most cases. Number one, as you said, Wes, their offense a lot of times predicated on first and second reads, trying to get the ball out early, which Auburn did a lot. If you go back and look at what they ran in the first half in particular, they're running a lot of quick stuff, RPOs, getting the ball out quickly. You send the, the house there, you're just playing right into their hand. Um, secondly, Bo Nix is a mobile guy. We saw him scramble up the middle. We saw him break the pocket a lot. So South Carolina's strategy in the game, and it really worked even better in the second half, was push the pocket on the interior of the line, stay home, try to force Nix outside the pocket, try to force him into bad decisions, and that's what happened. So I think a lot of times – and look, sacks are great. If you come out of a game and you've got six or seven sacks, that's normally you're going to have a pretty good defensive day but the key is affecting the quarterback. Affecting the quarterback is more important, whether that's a sack, whether that's making him throw it away, whether it's forcing him into a bad decision. And so um, I don't know South Carolina's pressure rates off the top of my head or their blitz rate. We'd have to look at some of that stuff um, from an analytics standpoint. But the third down rates, have there been some that, you know, you go and look, ah, that was, you know, third down conversion they, they really could have done without. Sure, but there's only been 12 third-down conversions the whole year, right? I mean, four of nine, seven of 16, and and then one each in the other games. So if you're giving up 12, I mean, now I'll use a Will Muschamp line, one's too many. You don't want to give up a third down and say that's great. But that that's a number where if you look at it, there have been other issues that have hurt this team worse than third-down conversions, I would argue. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, definitely. I had a I had a question about if um I'm getting an echo all of a sudden for some reason, y'all. Um if Aaron Sterling is back, which I think the expectation is that he will be, will Tonka remain the starter at defensive end? Chris, I, I think Aaron probably holds on to that job. He actually dude by the PFF grades. Aaron Sterling has graded out better than everybody on the defense, except for, I was going to say except for two people, but one of the people has only played 11 snaps, which skews it. He's graded out better than everybody except J.C. Horn. So even though, and, and yeah, take take the PFF ratings with a grain of, a grain of salt if you want, because I do as well. But I think he's one of those cases where it hasn't always been flashy but he's probably doing his job within the defense, and it sort of gets overlooked by everybody else. Taka has been really good in some flashes this year so far. I think probably got reminded he was a freshman a little bit playing the entire game <laughs> against Auburn. You know, didn't grade out quite as well. Um, granted, he's going to have, I mean, huge upside, going to be a great football player for South Carolina, already a big part of what they do. But I think for now – the senior, assuming he's healthy and the swelling is down at that knee, comes right back out as a starter. That would be the expectation. There's a reason he's a starter. Tonka's made some plays. He's done well, but Sterling's been around a long time. You know, you listen to Mike Peterson, his position coach before the preseason, just absolutely raves about him in terms of his consistency and just knowing where to be. And I think described him as sort of the heartbeat of the defense. You know, he's one of those leaders. He and Keir Thomas, you think of those two, you think of guys that, I brought a lot of leadership to the defensive line in their 
senior roles, right? So I, I would expect him to step right in as well. Want to welcome some new subscribers there. Some shout outs to uh, Coach T Iron Strength. He is a new subscriber from GC Live onto the website on Gamecock Central. Um, our buddy Shane Oliver is now closer 22 on Gamecock Central. Uh, Miss Lynn is asking how many people we've had joined since GC Live started. Um, I, I don't know the exact number. It's been a bunch. If you're not, if you're not one of those people. I mean, I don't know what you're waiting on, so y'all need to hop on board or shoot shoot us an email. We'll find a we'll find something for you, a way for you to get on there and check it out. Uh, let's see, are PFF stats free to view? No, they are not. It's a they, they're pretty. I think they're pretty expensive. Um, from what I've heard, I think I think they have some options for just anybody to sign up. But we luckily Rivals has some deal with them where we are able to read them. Greg, I want to know how you're feeling about the punting improvements. You know, I think that's probably an overlooked aspect of things. And they've really found that that Kai Kroger and sort of this rugby-style punt has been a good fit for him. They've been able to do that a little bit more lately. And they've been able to down some, some more punts inside the 20, which I think was big for them against Auburn and making Auburn go the length of the field as opposed to having short, you know, a short field on Saturday. And I know they would have loved to have downed that final one, uh, you know, on, on South Carolina's final punt of the game that uh, I think J.C. got a little turned around as far as where he was on the field and, and got sort of uh, caught up on, in the punt returner. But, yeah, Greg, that's a great point, man. I mean, Chris, I, I think the punting is something that, even though as, as much as South Carolina struggled last year, uh, Joseph Charlton gave them some chances in games by by flipping field position. And you hadn't really had that to start the year. So it, it was good to see, I think, some improvements uh, from Kai. Yeah, and the feel was that he, you know, he is a freshman. So what he is now is, is not what he's going to be at the end of the season or certainly in two or three years. You know, the, the expectations will improve. He was a highly rated guy coming out of high school, who has leg strength. He's got upside, and they, they've always liked him. It was just he was going to go through some growing pains and some inconsistencies, and so uh, they did feel, like I said, that the rugby style helped a bit. There was one punt against Auburn that wasn't as good, and that was attributed to the fact that, uh, you know, they called a one-step, you know, sort of delivery for the punt on that one because they felt like there'd be some pressure. They wanted to get rid of it a little quicker. Um, but yeah, the coverage units have been have been solid there, and uh, and Kai Kroger, it looks like he's improving and maybe finding a stride a little bit. Field position's been big for this team. Um, I don't, I can't remember if you put that out earlier, Wes, but saw a, a statistic. It might have been from our guy SEC Statcat about South Carolina's starting field position on offense in the SEC, and I think it was top four, top five. Uh, maybe Gamecock Russ might have put that out because he puts out stats all the time. But uh, they've got had really good starting field position, and some of that goes back probably to what we talked about earlier, third down conversions, right? South Carolina has been good in that department defensively. That means more punts, probably means more punts on, you know, shorter fields for the other team's offense. That means you're getting the ball back in a good place, and that's helped. That's been one reason they've been able to maximize things from an offensive standpoint is when they've had some shorter fields, whether it's because of a turnover whether it's because of positive field position from a defensive stop, 
that's led to more success. And that's that's really an obvious statement in football, right? But that's especially for this team offensively, that's something they need. Yeah, man, SEC stat cat. That dude has got a stat for everything. Like we're we're gonna have to, you know, I, I kind of because I know how it is when people ask me to be on their show and stuff. I don't want to just overload him and ask him every week, but we'll have to get him back on because I I had never I've seen his stuff online, but I had never seen like listened to his podcast or I didn't even know his actual name. I just knew him as SEC Statcat before we reached out. And it sounds like everybody here on the show enjoyed hearing from him. So I think we'll try to get him back on, especially as the year goes on and he'll have more and more data. But man, just trying to go back through South Carolina's games, it's it takes a long time. Yeah. So I can't imagine charting every detail that he charts for every single SEC game each week. It's nuts. Pretty pretty mad. Pretty a lot crazy. Of time. Yeah. Yeah. So that, all right. So Craig resent his question. Uh will Damani Staley be more in the box to stop the run instead of Roderick this week? I um you know, I think that that really depends on how South Carolina chooses to line up um, and really how LSU chooses to line up and how South Carolina chooses, I think, to, uh, I would say, count a guy like we talked about in Eric Gilbert. Do you count him as more, of you know, as, as like a true tight end? Do you count him more as like a flex or a receiver? I, I don't know. I, I think – on some third and longs, obviously, I think you're looking at, at still having R.J. Roderick in there as more of a dime because that still is a better matchup in the passing game, you know, than Damani Staley. Early on, early downs, you probably do stay, you do see Staley in there a, a little bit more, but that that's kind of been the case. I, I'll be curious with Jamar Brown, can he reincorporate himself into, you know, the the defense and. I actually caught the pregame last week, and Muschamp said then that they were really just easing Jamar back in on special teams last week to get him back settled. I think even when he got back, from what I had heard, he was still a little bit just slowed by you know by sort of getting back to a hundred percent. He, I mean, he missed a lot of time for a young player, so they're trying to reincorporate him, integrate him into the defensive scheme. As the year goes on, though, I think you're going to see more and more of Jamar taking on that sort of dime, dimebacker type role, and and I, I think he'll he'll play very very well. That that fits him so well, and I think he'll be a big part of this defense. Yeah, I mean, his coming into this season, South Carolina had a couple sort of storylines to watch. I know there's a lot of storylines to watch in the secondary, but a couple that were key you know, their ability to play more nickel and feel good about it and their ability to play more dime. I think the coaches, I think, have even said publicly, if I'm remembering correctly, I think T-Rob, Muschamp, maybe both have mentioned, they didn't really feel like they could field a dime defense in the past. And so having Jamar Brown, a guy that fits that that spot sort of to a T with a guy who's a linebacker but has safety sort of coverage ability, could play a few different spots, um, he's got experience at Will and Sam. He can play safety. He can play that dime spot. And then having, you know, a couple more guys that you feel better about at safety, Jalen Dickerson healthy this year, Shiloh Sanders 
coming along to where you felt good about playing him this year and then hopefully having some other guys progress, they felt like they had more available guys that you can trust to put out there. So being able to play more nickel, more dime situationally, you know, helps you as a football team because, you know, we talk about it a lot, getting situational football. There are certain times where maybe you'd like to make a call in a certain situation based on your personnel, based on the other team's projected call or personnel. Now they have a little bit more flexibility to do that with Brown back in the fold, even if it's just some snaps here and there where he's on the field, that, that might help them out. Yep. All right. As always, we are brought to you by Affordable Medical USA, home of the game day chair. Chris, before we get into some Gunner Stockton, what is now our weekly Gunner Stockton uh, segment, I would say, tell everybody about the game day chair and why they should be watching the games sitting in their own game day chair. Yeah, so if you're not at the games this year, a lot of people at home, make sure you check out the game day chair. It is the Maxi Comfort Cloud with Twilight. So if you go to AffordableMedicalUSA.com or if you click our link on Gamecock Central or if you're on YouTube, right there in the video description below, you can click on it, check it out. Check out all the features of this chair. Super comfortable, super roomy. It'll enhance your game day experience. And one thing just to clear up, guys, even though this is from AffordableMedicalUSA.com, it's not a medical chair per se. It certainly helps if you got back pain, if you need to, you know, rest yourself, help your circulation, you can do all these things. But the bottom line is just a super comfortable chair, right? And so whether you're watching Netflix, watching college football, sports, whatever you may be watching, this is going to be the chair for you. So uh, check those guys out, 803-926-1493 or affordablemedicalusa.com. We appreciate their support of the show. Shane with a good question here, Chris. And I would say, man, the, the fullbacks fullbacks don't get love anymore. You know, it's like, for one, the position doesn't exist in some offenses. But in, in a weird way, we're sort of, I think in the NFL, you're sort of seeing it come back some places. And the problem with playing fullback is that basically – if you're trying to make it at that position as a professional, there's only a certain amount of teams that actually even use one in their offense. So it's difficult. I do think it's pretty, it's a pretty cool story. I mean, I don't know if y'all saw Adam Prentice when he talked to the media earlier this week. I know Gamecocks online puts all those on YouTube, but he said Bobo actually found him as a linebacker. And, and we've we've heard stories. I know um, the kid at Hammond, um, is it Bradley Dunn, that you know Bo- Bobo has found guys at other positions and invites them to play South, to South Carolina or wherever he's at to play fullback because he just sees something in them at another spot that translates to the fullback position. You got Sean McGonagall Jr., who's a walk-on from Myrtle Beach, who's on the team right now, backup fullback that was a linebacker slash defensive end in high school. So you don't have a lot of fullbacks in high school either, but they have certain skill sets they're looking for at that position that they're just looking for, you know, that, that translate. So I, I do think Shane that, that Prentice was a, has been a big help in the running game. This hasn't been an all eye formation all the time type offense. Um, He did win, player of the week honors within South Carolina's team on offense, which is pretty awesome. And the thing that's the big tell for me 
is how much the other running backs appreciate Adam Prince. You can tell when a Deshaun Fenwick talks about him and when the guys are getting all pumped up about him catching a pass and, and the collision after the, the pass and, and stuff like that, that they appreciate this guy, the toughness and, and what he brings. So I think it's kind of, I didn't know how I would feel about the reintroduction of a fullback, to be quite honest with you. I've been just personal preference. I love all the spread stuff, RPOs, hurry up and all that stuff. But considering that it's now against the grain to have a fullback and all defenses are preparing for other type of offenses and considering South Carolina's other personnel, I think Prentice has has really not only been a good fit, but a needed fit for South Carolina and that versatility they play him more as an H-back a lot of times as well. So they'll have two tight ends, but Prentice will be lined up as an H-back. And that role goes well beyond just what you think of of him leading up in there as a blocker. There's a lot of plays, Chris, I've been noticing where Bobo has guys running. It looks like routes, but they're really just decoys. And they're either there to to rub, you know, basically a defender uh, to get another guy open or even these designed quick throws to the running backs where you know they're basically head hunting it looks like they're going out on a on a pass route but they're just wait you know the pass is going to be completed behind the line of scrimmage so then they're out there as a blocker so he he's been really really big as far as an unsung hero I think in in this offense yeah so all you need to know is offensive player of the week for the staff played 21 snaps out of 71 on offense. So that tells you that when he's on the field, he's making an impact. You know, he had some really good blocks. Um, there was one on a, on a Kevin Harris run where he just cut his guy down on the edge, made the key block. He had the, the first down run, you know, on the little boot play. He can do a lot of those things for you. He's going to get in there and do, do the dirty work. Um, and, yeah, I think Bobo's used him very well. I, I've been, you know, going back to your point about running backs, Bobo loves to incorporate the backs in the past game, the screen game has not been there yet for South Carolina. I have a feeling it'll come back at some point if they feel like they can get there. But a lot of the throws to the flats and the blocking on the perimeter obviously is key for those. So, yeah, Prentice has been really, really important to this team, you know, with, with how they've chosen to structure the offense and a lot of the calls that they've made. Yeah, and, and I'll say, um, you know, a guy that you, you sort of have to pull for and – that has been really good in all those roles, and I, I, you know, I think I think Bobo has done a good job. While the traditional screen stuff, like you said, has not really been there, mm-hmm. he he's got these little wrinkles. That the Kevin, there's a Kevin Harris third and two reception where uh, it, it wasn't a screen where it's like all the offensive linemen are out there blocking, but it was a screen in the sense of. South Carolina, South Carolina had trips to the left, and they knew – this is something else I uh, sort of got into in my tail of the tape. Auburn played a ton of man coverage against South Carolina, and they knew – I guarantee Bobo probably had this play in his back pocket. They had every everybody to the left, trips formation. All the receivers just cleared out that side of the field. So Nick Muse is lined up at tight end on the right side of the formation. He runs what appears to be like a little shallow cross, drag route. Well, his defender, and they're not even trying to throw the ball to Muse, his defender gets picked off by 
another player accidentally, of course. Of course. Uh, yeah. he, his, his defender gets picked off. Well, now they flip the ball out, little swing pass. It appears to just be a, a dump down, you know, swing route to Harris. But Muse was never actually running a route at all. His guy's been picked out of the play now, and Muse is making a beeline directly towards the linebacker who was covering Harris in man coverage. So now you've, you've run off three defenders, you've picked off a fourth, and now Muse is blocking the one guy who was covering Harris. And it, I think it was 11, 12-yard gain on a third down. But he's sort of – the thing I like about Bobo is he does – this was told to us by somebody very early on, Chris. He's got an answer for everything. And what that means is here's the, here's the situation, here's what we have to get, and here's what defense they're in. What are our best bets? And Bobo has had some really, really good answers, I think, as far as calling the right plays at the right time. And, you know, it's third and two. Most people think you're just going to run the ball straight up the middle. But he had an answer to sort of extend that out, create not even a huge play, but a decent play to move the sticks and keep South Carolina on the field. Uh, Some talk in the chat there about Zaquandre White, how he keeps everybody hyped on the sideline. Got to love that. That's something we pointed out after the Vanderbilt game. I'm a huge Zaquandre White fan. He's got to hold on to the football a little bit more, I think. But, he, dude, even that his couple of runs against Vandy, you can see the wiggle. Yeah. It's just right now with, with what Harris and Fenwick are doing and then some ball security issues, they're, I'm guessing they're not going to put him on the field until that gets cleaned up. And I'll give you credit, Chris. You called that watching his Juco tape that – that was something he was going to need to focus on. But I still think Zaquandre, with the energy he brings, the juice he brings, Not, I'm not wishing this on anybody, but running backs tend to just get banged up. They get bruised up. Eventually, White will probably get his shot on the field, but you know his teammates appreciate a guy that's not playing other than special teams where he's actually really, really good um, staying that involved in the game. Yeah, I think it's a huge positive. It's great to see, you know, for Zaquandre White. And I I did not know that about him, like that that was his – I'm not saying I heard the opposite at all. I just didn't know he was like that, you know, in terms of the the juice he would bring. And I knew that on the field he brought it, right, with his talent and even his demeanor on the field. But I didn't know from a teammate standpoint that he was like that. I mean, if a big play is made – any side of the ball and the camera goes to whoever made the plays, the Quandre White's standing beside him. You know, he's going to find them wherever they are. So that's really good to see. And at some point, you're right. I think he's going to get more opportunities. Um, you know, th- there are still some ball security things. He had, you know, a couple issues in junior college. You just got to clean those up. Those are coachable points. You get to a ball game sometimes, especially it's your first action in quite a while, you know, and just in general, but in college football for him, you know, maybe you lose some of those things. So he'll just have to work on them. Don't switch the ball in traffic. Cover it up a little bit better. From an ability standpoint, he, he's still got it. And so he's a guy that I think they'll still be able to use and probably his number is going to be called at some point. Yeah, no doubt, man. So, all right, let's – we actually yeah, – we're all, we're almost um, at our hour mark. But let's hit on a couple of guys in recruiting. And first, we will start – I think there's two guys we can spotlight, but right. we we got we've got to talk about 
again, Gunnar Stockton, which luckily I don't think y'all ever get tired of hearing about Gunnar Stockton. So that works in our favor. Hold on. Huddle wants me to watch another ad probably about how dip is bad for you. Um, (laughs) That's what all their ads are about. But Gunnar Stockton, nine touchdowns on Friday, Chris, passed for 326 yards and seven touchdowns, ran for over 100 yards, two touchdowns on the ground. Crazy, man. Crazy numbers. Um, You know, I had a hard time. I I, I saw in several different publications it was anywhere from seven to nine touchdowns. But uh, Stockton's quarterbacks, you know, former – I don't know if they still work together or not, but Tony Ballard is a really good quarterbacks coach in Georgia. He's worked with – Stockton and with Colton Gothier, the 2021 quarterback commitment for South Carolina, you know, spotlighted his performance and gave the stats. And he also mentioned nine touchdowns. So supposedly seven passing, two rushing, which would be all of (laughs) Raven County's touchdowns in the game. They scored 63 points in this game against Pope. And this throw is absolutely silly. Um, Probably, uh, you know, not sure if it's a throw that Mike Bobo will recommend when Gunnar Stockton gets to college, but to have the the arm strength to throw that football on the run and put it in the back of the end zone is pretty silly. So lot, lots of comparisons, you know, initially to Connor Shaw for Stockton, which that makes a lot of sense. But one of the, the differences and one of the things that stands out about him, despite him being, you know, a shorter guy in stature, is he's got a live arm. You know, he can make a lot of different throws, whether it's throwing the ball with touch, throwing the ball with zip, and, and placing it in there. He can really make all the throws. What do you think about a Baker Mayfield comp? It's an interesting comp. I, I sort of like it. I'd like to go back and look at some of their uh, – look at some of Baker's high school stuff too. And I, I'm completely stealing that from a friend of mine um, – Okay. Unfortunately, I can't remember who actually said that, but um, a friend of mine said, "Hey, watch, watch him, and then think of Baker Mayfield, and tell me what you think." I, I and can see that. Yeah. The the Connor Shaw comp is is there because of all the connections yeah. and the number fourteen and stuff like that. But as far as skill set, I I don't know that it holds up, you know, and so I've been trying to think who who makes more sense from a skill set standpoint. Like you said, I think Gunner's got a bigger arm. I think if Connor was on the show right now, he'd probably say the same thing. Yeah. Um, but Con- Connor's a little bit faster. Wasn't quite as thick in high school. And Gunner, as much as he does use his legs in in high school, I don't think that's going to be his game. You know, ba- Baker Mayfield, his game was more use my legs when I have to use my leg to extend plays right and do stuff like that. So I don't I don't know. I, I kind of I kind of like Travis says Baker isn't as mobile. But I I mean I bet if you went back and looked at Baker's high school highlights, he was probably pretty mobile. I mean the these in, these NFL guys that can move around any at all are crazy athletic just compared to the average human being. So, yeah. like Baker, dude, I I was around Stephen Garcia at a camp a couple of years ago, 
and he was out there running routes and catching passes with one hand. And, and you know, Garcia was – I mean, he was a dual-threat guy. To me, would never have been a guy you would have said, oh, that guy's just the fastest guy on the team or anything like that. Steven could run. He was not Lamar Jackson. But when you see these dudes and how athletic they really are compared to just the average person, it, it's mind-blowing. So I, I, I think Baker Mayfield – even though running is not his thing at the NFL level with the speed there, I bet if you went back, he had some running ability compared to high school guys is what I'm trying to get at. So that that would sort of be – I think I like it. Now, there, dude, there's thousands of other quarterbacks. There, I'm sure there's other options out there. Maybe there's better comps. But that that might be the one I'm sticking with for now. And – Man, I'm I'm wondering may, maybe each week we just have the Gunner Stockton segment. <laughs> okay. And then we'll top, have the recruit of the week. Oh, yeah. yeah, we could just have the Gunner Stockton player of the week. Huh. Like the the award is now named after him. All right, fair. So, yeah. so you can't win. I think I no, I think that's what it is. The Gunner Stockton player of the week. We'll have an update on how Gunner did that week and we'll have an actual other okay player of the week i'm good with it does that work do you approve done i approved yeah official um the other guy i think we i think is worth mentioning chris and letting everybody know about is that from everything you and i have both heard it, it sounds like south carolina is um i would say pretty pumped so far about the addition of rodarius thomas yeah receiver he's a guy that has really had some some big plays as of late and, and had some big games. I know you had a little bit on him. Uh, do you know what some of those numbers were, Chris? I, I know his season numbers. He has 40 catches, 11 touchdowns, almost 800 yards. He's turned in some really nice plays. Wes, one that I would recommend if you're pulling up, are you looking at pulling up some Rodarius highlights? Yeah, I'm, I'm there. See if you can get – it's a single play, but it's probably worth seeing. It's a 44-yard catch against yep, Russell I'm on it. That is a good one, and uh, yeah, we'll check this one out. That's a pretty short clip, just one play, but yeah, one-hander. Okay. That's a nice play. I mean, that ball's on him. So, big kid, you know, so he's not super, super fast, but he runs pretty well for his size. He's a bigger receiver, so he's going to run probably in the 4 or 5 range, and he's just sort of a physical presence. You know, he's a, what, 6'2", 185, something. I mean, he's every bit of both of those. Um, his high school team's really good this year. They, they've been putting up some pretty big numbers. But um, he just out-physicals some people sometimes. They use him a lot on screens, too. They'll throw him little tunnel screens, let him get out into space, let him break some tackles. So, uh, oh, what's up, Devontae Holloman, head coach at South Point, former Gamecock. Oh, we got Devontae on here. What's That's up, right. Devontae? Yeah. How you doing, man? Good to see. You. Dude, we never know who's going to pop in on here. <laughs> That's right. Um, Devontae, obviously, there's a guy there committed to the Gamecocks. Um, and I know, Chris, you've been tracking him. Uh, Omega's been doing a little bit of everything, I think, for South Point this year. Yeah, man, playing some quarterback, playing some wide receiver, um, turning in some good performances there. He's been, he's, he's been scoring some touchdowns, um, throwing the football, catching the football, so – 
you know, Omega is a guy that has some positional versatility in college, going to get his first look at receiver at South Carolina. He's got upside there. I've always liked his upside as a defensive back too and, and think he could play there in college and maybe depending on how things go, maybe he, maybe he plays there. But going to draw his first look at receiver, you know, a guy that's got length, he's got athleticism, a versatile guy. So having a pretty good year there too, my understanding at, uh, at South Point. Yeah, y'all, y'all hang tight with me here. I'm gonna see if we got any. Oh, we do got an Omega Blake update. Um, and then we had a request, Chris, to play by Craig. I'll, I'll find it. We'll to play the first highlight from um, from Gunner's tape again. Which the first two highlights from the game last week from Gunner were <laughs> insane. They were. So Terrell Brown asked if his connection Gunner is more with Bobo or Muschamp, and, and it is more uh, the connection is more with Bobo and Connor Shaw. So Connor's brother Jabo is Gunner's high school coach. Before that, Lee Shaw, who's Connor and Jabo's father, was the head coach at Raven County, and then George Bobo, who is Mike Bobo's father, um, has a connection to to Gunner Stockman as well. Taught him how to throw a football when he was young. So lots of family connections there. Um, Gunner's father, Rob, played um, at Georgia Southern, I believe. Also wore number 14. So those families have just known each other a while. Yeah, and, and when you say he taught him to throw a football, I think he literally like <laughs> taught him how to grip the thing. Yeah, yeah. When he was like five or six or, or whatever, whatever age he was. Here you see a man, Omega – Plays some receiver, plays some quarterback, does a little bit of everything. Like Chris said, he uh, has a defensive back skill set as well. Really good hands. I saw him in Charlotte at a camp this year when everything finally got going again and camps were allowed. And he really made some DBs look bad out there. Just one-on-one, really tough to cover because he has he's an athletic kid, but he's also got some height to him can go up and get the football and as you're seeing on these on this tape can can do a lot of things at, at quarterback at the high school level as well that, that's something we do we have not gotten out to south point this year no nope. and we need to get out there and, and see coach holloman and, and see omega and watch these guys play we saw omega play some basketball last year oh nice move there um we have not gotten to see him play any football this year yeah a guy that you know, we, we've seen him play uh, in a seven-on-seven setting also. I think that was maybe two years ago. So, yeah, a guy that South Carolina likes as a receiver, you know, as far as his upside, the length. You know, again, he's not – he's another guy sort of – he's a different type of prospect than Thomas, but he's, he's maybe not a guy who's going to just absolutely blow you away with his straight-line speed. Um, but he is good in the open field. And like you said, Wes, the good hands, I think he's got some natural ball skills that he's going to bring to the field that could serve him well at the receiver position. All right, y'all uh, y'all hang tight with me. I'm going to get those those gunner, gunner plays up one more time. Chris, uh, before we get out of here, man, while I'm getting this pulled up, what are your – not final thoughts, we'll do final thoughts, but – Anything else? Any other matchups for LSU that you're you're keeping an eye on? We didn't we didn't really even get into the fact of, I would say, dude, they're freshman quarterbacks. Whichever one plays, whichever well, they're both going to play. Whichever one starts, and 
Carolina's ability to get to him without, like we talked about, without sending the house, get there with four and make some plays and, you know, against an LSU offensive line that, for what I've seen, Chris, is is pretty solid, I, I think, for the most part. Yeah, I think it has been a pretty solid group. You know, and Jarrett mentioned that yesterday from Tiger Details, talking about that a little bit, how they seem to play a little bit better, um, you know, after game one. But it's, to me, I don't even know if it's – obviously the individual matchups with Gilbert, Terrace Marshall, those are the things that you really look at when you think of the – when you think of the past game, but more to me, especially because LSU is going to have, it appears, one of these freshmen or both playing, you want to make LSU drive the field. So you got to stay away from explosive plays. That's going to go back to Marshall and Gilbert because those are probably, they've got others for sure. Don't get me wrong, but those are the two guys that are foremost in your mind about, you know, being able to move the chains or make explosive plays. But I think, if you're South Carolina, I'm going to say this every week, turnover margin, significant in this game, field position. What you don't need is given Max Johnson or TJ Finley, the two quarterbacks for LSU who are freshmen, short fields to operate on. Um, you need to make them drive the length of the field. Will Muschamp's reference this, you know, about how field position is so important in the game. When you're asking a team to consistently drive – 75, 80 yards, whatever it may be, on a consistent basis, eventually something's going to go wrong offensively. So that's what you want to make people do. I think it's even more so the case here when, you, when you're talking about putting a freshman in. So I think the individual matchups are key, but I think this game, the turnover margin and the field position is going to be extremely important for the Gamecocks. Let's see. Uh, had a another vote for Sam Howell as Gunnar Stockton's comp not a bad one uh craig asked if south carolina is still on pool the florida commit um are you thinking of justice boone florida commit or jordan pool nc state commit um i think you know i think boone's probably a guy chris safe to say they'll keep working him until the end or unless he tells them you know to go away basically they've they've stayed on him for a long time i haven't really heard have 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 we seen Jordan Poole's name really pop up since he committed uh, to, to state? Haven't seen Poole pop up. Uh, you know, they staff may consider taking another linebacker if one pops up. So there may be one that pops up there. Um, sort of a to-be-determined position with Boone. Yeah, still communication there. I think he's still somewhat open. But, uh, you know, one thing to keep in mind, no matter how this shakes out, they've probably got two spots left on the D-line. And there are a few different guys that are recruiting. You know, obviously Tyrion Ingram Dawkins, Boone's one. Um, but there are a few other guys. Deontay Anderson out of Florida is a buck candidate. So depending on how South Carolina structures it, numbers are already pretty tight in this class and on, this, on the roster overall from a scholarship standpoint. But Boone, Boone's one that, you know, we're continuing to track. Uh, it's just sort of difficult to tell how it's going to play out right now. Yeah, so Gunner's pretty awesome. I, I think we – we all know that. That's that's been the Gunner Stockton segment for the week. <laughs> what, what's your final thoughts, man? I'm I'm going to the I'm going to the fair, I think, for the drive through. I don't know I don't know if y'all have been and I don't I don't even know how many people on this thing are from Columbia or not. Yeah. I know we got people from all over the state. But dude. So we tried to go to the fair yesterday. 
And it's not even the real fair. It's a yeah, drive-through yeah. fair. Drive-through version. And the entrance on George Rogers Boulevard, Gate 6, was backed up past the train tracks. On assembly? Yes. Wow. Past the train tracks on assembly. Past the old bombers slash old blowfish stadium. Past the other railroad crossing. Past subway. All the way to Sonic. Wow. So. So you aborted that mission? Oh, God. We went we went to D's wings <laughs> instead <laughs> of the fair. So. If you're trying to get to the fair in Columbia here, the drive-through fake fair, go early. So we're we're about we're actually going to go at like four o'clock today. We're going to go out there and try to get there before everybody gets out and about. But man, let me just let me just warn y'all, drive-through fair, it's a no-go at dinner time. <laughs> I'm glad you said that. I almost texted you. Uh, I keep forgetting to ask you if you'd been because I figured a you would be going, and, <laughs> and b that we we would have a good you would have a good feel because we want to go, but I tell you what we do not want to be in that. So you'll have to give an updated report either today. You can text it to me. The other people will have to wait until tomorrow to find out. Yeah, I'll, I'll give everybody a fair report. Thank um, you. I'm thinking, dude, we might start doing a lunch report as well, and maybe. Okay. Cause we all we always do these right after lunch, and it might be a cool way to like feature some local little restaurants or something. Like not even like an ad, just hey, I had this from Fifth Avenue Deli, and it was awesome. Maybe we uh, can uh, have that in conjunction with our other uh, food project that's on our secret back burner. Yeah that 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 would be cool with me. Um, yeah. All right, y'all, we're gonna get out of here. Uh, Corey, any chance that we see Bell on Saturday? Kind of doubt it, but we'll see. Uh, for Chris, I am Wes. We're out of here, and we'll see you tomorrow. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on Chumbacasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void. we prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.